Hello, this is Pastor Nathaniel, and you're listening to the Edit Talk for the Itty Walk podcast. Here you'll find messages meant to edify and encourage God's people in the maturity, purity, and unity that comes from following Christ. From devotional thoughts to sermons from our Sunday morning services, my prayer is that the time you spend listening to this podcast will help you grow closer to our Lord and also lead you to loving others like He loves us. Let's get right to it. Well, happy Father's Day, dads and granddads. Grandparents have a day, too, in September. But happy Father's Day. You know, there is a, an argument that is almost as old as time itself. My dad is tougher than your dad. <laughs> I think Jesus wins that argument. And when we have a relationship with Him as our Savior, we win that argument too, don't we? Because how did He teach us to pray? Our Father. So, but you get down to it, to the earthly fathers. My dad's tougher than your dad. Uh, you know, sometimes that gets exaggerated, doesn't it? My dad can lift a car. My dad can lift the Titanic. It starts to get out of hand. I think, I think the ultimate winner of that argument are the twelve sons and all the kids of Israel. Because they could say, my dad wrestled God. They didn't just wrestle God too. wrestled Him to a draw. And He had the limp to prove it. A daily reminder that He wrestled with God. We read about it in Genesis chapter 32. We're going to read verses 22 to 32. Now throughout the message, we'll kind of go back in time and forward in time. And I'm going to give you the itty-bitty details. It's worth going back this afternoon, tonight, tomorrow. Go back to chapter 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33. You'll see the transformation, the work that God did in Jacob's life throughout those six or seven chapters. It's incredible. Today... This morning, this very moment, we're going to read verses 22 to 32 of Genesis 32. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives and his two maidservants and his eleven sons, and he crossed the ford at the Jabbok. Now, back then, he was allowed to have two wives and two sons, and that's just the way things were. I'm not going to get into that. Let's just say that's the way things were. Verse 23. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. 
When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with man and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask me my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, and he said, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Lord, I do thank You for Your Word. Thank You for how Your Word speaks, how Your Word has the power to change our lives and the power to change this world. So what a humbling thing to do to be here to to preach Your Word. And that's my request, is that only Your Word be spoken. And may Your Word do its work in our hearts and our lives. Uh, may You get all the glory, Lord, as You speak. And, and Lord, I pray You would speak through me as I preach. And may we see the truths that are here and how we can apply them to our lives and live for You. God, I pray all these things in Your Son's precious name. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you go back and read Genesis 28 to 33, there's a couple instances there where we see Jacob's Herculean strength. And we realize he's a pretty tough dude. I think it's in chapter 28 where we read about how he, 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 he had a dream outside Bethel. And in that dream, you've probably heard it called Jacob's Ladder, he saw a stairway to heaven and there were angels ascending and descending. And he encountered God and after that dream, he built a monument. He likely lifted very heavy rocks and stones to build that monument. Because you don't want people to tear it down. I better be careful. I'm going to get off on a sidetrack and my anger will show right now. Okay, I am getting off track. Because my favorite president's statue was torn down in San Francisco. That makes me angry. Anyway, I better not get too far off. I like U.S. Grant. Hey, do you know that Laura and Judy are related to him? Well, I'm getting really off topic, am I? <laughs> On Judy's side of the family. So I, that's how it was meant to be. 
I married into the grand... Well, not... (laughs) Jacob most likely used very heavy stones so no one would tear that down. He wanted to remember how he encountered God in that place. It's the purpose of monuments and statues, to remember. Now... When he met his future wife, humana, 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 he liked, he liked that Rachel. In fact, many of you know how he worked 14 years so Rachel would be his wife. When he first met her, he met her at a well, and there was a stone covering that well. Tough dude, probably impressed the, the chick he liked. He lifted that stone up and moved it so he could get water. So we know for a long time that Jacob's a pretty tough dude, but we really see it here in Genesis chapter 32. Because he wrestled with God. But you want to know something about this tough dude who could lift rocks and wrestle with God? He was a fearful man. In fact, if you look in verse 20 of Genesis chapter 32, uh, we're reading about how he's going to encounter his brother Esau. And the last time he saw Esau, he stole Esau's birthright. And he's caught wind that Esau is coming down the road with 400 men. Now, if someone's coming at you for 400 men, it's probably not for morning coffee and donuts. He's expecting the worst. In fact, verse 20 of Genesis chapter 32 tells us that he was afraid to see his brother Esau's face. He's fearful, this big old tough guy. Not only is he fearful, he's devious. He's got plan A and plan B. Plan A, he's going to divide all his people up in two groups. He'll send group one out first. And if they get attacked by the 400 and all die, whatever, i got a lot more, we'll get out of Dodge. That was the plan. That's pretty sick, isn't it? Well, if plan A doesn't work, he'll go with plan B. I'll bribe my brother. You see... Jacob was pretty, he was kind of a schemer. And he, he, he used some of his, his father-in-law's goats to get rich. Now that he's rich with all these goats and possessions and manservants and maidservants, because again, that was the thing back in Bible times they did. You see, we've done wrong things since Genesis. Anyway... Plan B, I'll use my possessions to bribe my brother. Surely he'll, he'll want a little, a little riches from me. Everybody likes the money. Money, money, money. That'll work, I'm sure. So he's got two plans. And then he decides to send everybody across the river. So he's separated from all the possessions he loves and all the family he loves. He's just all alone with God. He encounters a man and they start to wrestle. There's something I want us all to notice in Jacob's story. Do you know that people can encounter God, 
have personal encounters with Him, but no personal relationship. That's what happened with Jacob. Even after that dream, the stairway to heaven, he still didn't recognize God as his God. How do we know that? We know that from Jacob's prayer earlier in Genesis 32. If you look in Genesis 32... I believe it picks up in verse 9. Jacob prays. Remember, Jacob's afraid, so he's going to pray. He's going to ask God for help. Listen to his prayer. And if you look at the details, you can tell God is not his God. Because how does he pray? O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, O Lord who said to me, Go back to your country and relatives and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all your kindness and faithfulness that you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed the Jordan, but now I've become two groups. One to kill off and the other to keep, I guess. Verse 11, Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me, and also the mothers with their children. But you have said... I will surely make you prosper and make you descendants like the sand of the sea that cannot be counted. You see, he even even recognized his own unworthiness, but he didn't recognize God as his God. Does that really happen? People encounter God. They recognize they're sinful people, but don't admit their sin. That's the issue. He wanted God's blessing, but he didn't want to change. And then there is a wrestling match. God catches up with us, doesn't He? If we're not afraid to wrestle Him. And that's what it is, isn't it? Almost a crisis, like John Wesley called it. When we realize there's got to be a change, I need to own this. And in this wrestling match, he didn't necessarily pin the Lord, get his hand raised, like, I'm the champion! Nothing like that. No titles were on the line. But Jacob did get a new name. Who's this Jacob we've been talking about for the last 12 and a half minutes? He's the Jacob who, when he came out of his mother's womb, was holding on to his brother Esau's heel. So his name kind of means heel grabber or supplanter. We talked about how he liked to scheme, to get his way, to make sure things worked out best for him. He was his own man. He didn't need anything else. He's got all these riches. Oh yeah, thanks God. You bless me, but I, I can still control all this. I got, I got control. Until he surrendered and submitted and allowed the change to happen. 
He got a new name and a new identity. Israel, that name means God rules. And this is something that's consistent in Scripture. You remember back to his father, Abraham, who's actually his grandfather. Abraham, when we first meet him, he was Abram. And then God changed his name to Abraham. He became God's man. You see, that's what the means in Abraham. God. Remember Sarah? She was S-A-R-A-I and that got an H, God's woman. And, and Jacob, he became God rules. Who rules his life now? God. There was a change in name because there was a change in his life. There was no more fear. He crossed the river. He faced the 400. Okay, there's probably nervousness. We see that in the beginning of chapter 33. But when he sees his brother's face, he says, I'm no longer afraid because your face to me is like the face of God. And he would know because who did he wrestle the night before? And it makes you wonder when he wrestled with the Lord, did he see that same kind of love and forgiveness? that Esau so unexpectedly showed him. Grace. There's evidence of more change. He acknowledged God's grace and providence. And what did he do? Verse 30 told us, Jacob called the place Peniel. He renamed the place. It means face of God. He wasn't afraid to make a public witness. This is where I saw the face of God. Not only that, he had all that stuff. He became generous. Verse 11 of chapter 33, he, he, he takes all that stuff and even though Esau says, I don't want it, I don't need it, I'm blessed. He says, take it anyway. I want you to have it. It's my expression of love and gratefulness for you. And then, if you go to chapter 35, and I'm not going to read the whole account, because it's starting to get hot in here. But there, he encouraged his family and everyone around him to give up their false idols, their foreign gods, and purify themselves. Well, golly, that sounds like a holiness message to me. Purify yourselves? That sounds like someone who God rules in their life. And that name sounds familiar, doesn't it? Israel. Israel. From Israel came God's Son who brought us the ultimate victory and brings us the ultimate change if we'll only surrender and let Him rule. So I just want to close this morning's message with a couple questions. Do you know God? 
And I don't mean, do you know about God? And it's not your parents' God, your father's God, or your mama's God. Is He your God? Do you really know Him? The love He has for you. Is it Him that you live for? I thought it was interesting. He had to give up what He loved the most. What did He send across the river? All of His possessions, His family. He had to trust that away from Him. And then God did a work in Him. And I think this Scripture kind of makes us ask each of us, what evidence in my life what evidence is there that God has made a change? So if you would, would you please bow your head with me? Holy Spirit, I do thank You for Your Word this morning. And I just want to take a moment, Lord, to say, for each of us to say, Holy Spirit, what are You saying to me in Your Word? Is there a change in my life that you want to make that I've been running from? Or trying to ignore? Something I don't want to wrestle about. Lord, whatever it is, I thank you that in you we are overcomers. And the change you want to do in our hearts and lives is always a change for the better. Because you're changing us to make us more like Christ. That's the transformation we all need. And that's the transformation that is the answer for this world. It's all here in your word. God, help us obey it. Forgive us of those times when we ignore you. And God, help us to let you rule. And as you rule, we will praise our one and only King forever. Thank you for all the life, all the grace, all the love, all the forgiveness, all the hope that we have in you. You are a good, good Father. And we praise You and celebrate You today, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If this podcast is helpful to you, please rate us on iTunes or like our page, Springwater Church the Nazarene, on Facebook. Have a great day and Lord bless.